Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your call, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. The Puma. Welcome in, brother, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Been looking forward to this all week. We got a great slate of games to talk about. But first things first, Jay, I got, I got to ask, how did the Thanksgiving meal prep go? Because I know Yo, you dog. were doing your world-renowned Yo, stuffing, Yo, but dog. then you got, like, roped into doing, like, dog. like a pie? Dog. Like, is that... So the stuffing, dude, top notch. I think I went like even extra this year because like what I did mm. was usually with stuffing, I used the like sourdough bread, but I read okay. online, if you use cornbread, it's so much better. Like what you got to do is you got to keep the cornbread up the night prior, let it get stale before you put into your stuffing, throw it into the oven for about 20 minutes on 200 degrees, just like really light, just to get it charred. And mm. that right there, dude, was like the, the creme de la creme on the stuffing. That turned out amazing. But... The sisters also roped me into doing some cranberry sauce, you know? That's right. And they were like, you know what? You, you you can't just make one thing and sit in front of the TV all day. So you got to go ahead and actually make a second dish. So what we did was I made the cranberry sauce. I made it with some orange zest in there. I threw in a little bit of uh, cinnamon in there. Ooh. And what I did was I, I made it chunky at first. And that was cool. I liked it. But it wasn't as smooth as I, as I wanted it to be. So the next day... I mean, it's a night prior, but eventually I got it all out again, and I actually ran it through the processor and strained it out. I made it real smooth, and it was just so much better. So, short story, man. It was a success. I ate so much. By 8 p.m., I was on the couch dying, dude. Like, it was so yep. bad. Like, I, I didn't watch much of the Patriots-Vikings game because I was, like, A, in a coma, and B, because my stomach was hurting. I couldn't really yep. pay, pay attention to the game. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just, I don't know if I'm talking to Jay Chima or Julia Childs now. I mean, that, that food, that food sounds amazing. But no, I, I was, I'm right there with you. I, I made the mistake. Uh, well, we went to, uh, we went to Blake's house for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I, I made the fatal mistake of not having like stretchy pants. Oof, so, idiot. you know, I was, uh, I was kind of dying by the end of the Bills game, and when the pies came out during the Cowboys game, it was, it was game over. Mm-hmm. I, I think honestly, Jesus took the wheel from like the house, from his house back to ours because like I, I was on autopilot, I was in a coma. And I was like, I'm, I was right there with you. Like, I, I watched the Pats Vikings game, but like, was not heavily invested because I was just so uncomfortable from the amount of food mm-hmm. and going in and out of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, like, my stomach actually hurt it. That was the first time yep. my stomach hurted after eating so much, and it hurt the next day as well. I thought like maybe I tore, like maybe I tore something in my stomach. I'm like, oh crap, am I gonna be all right? <laughs> Damn, Jay Chima, IR. <laughs> Out four to six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Lacerated but, stomach. But no, <laughs> lacerated stomach. But no, that's my absolute favorite holiday, dude. Like, it, it's it's the perfect amount of, like, football, family, food. Just great, man. I love it so much. And, like, I don't know, like, I, I always say, like, there's a lot of animosity in the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know, like, people, like, in the Middle East don't like us. People, you know, you know, whatever I'm trying to get at is, like, if they would come over to some Thanksgiving... And see the values we have, you know, watching some football, having our family over, eating good food. They'd be like, you know what? These people are just like us, you know? I don't know why we hate them. Like, I think Thanksgiving could be that common, unifying denominator for all of us. Yeah, of course. And then they learn about the point spread. It'll be great. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of point spreads, we've got a lot of football to talk about today. And the first game we're going to talk about is the 8-3 Buffalo Bills taking on my 6-5 New England Patriots on Thursday night football tomorrow night, and Puma, we have so much to talk about this game. I oh, have yeah. so many thoughts. I've been like thinking about this game for a couple days now, and this is in essence the pinnacle of the Patriots season because if you lose this game tomorrow night, your odds of making the playoffs go from right now the thirty six percent they go down to twenty three percent if you lose. If you win, they jump up to fifty four percent. So this is a massive swing game for the Patriots. In in essence, this is their season. And I know right off the bat, once we get into the details of the game, the Buffalo Bills are the better football team. I mean, that's not debatable. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to you know, make the argument here. But the argument that I have here is that I think the Patriots are going to win. And they're going to win because Josh Allen just hasn't been Josh Allen over the last six weeks. He's been playing some pretty bad football. Like, he started out hot. 17-4 and was his touchdown-interception ratio. He looked like he's going to run with the MVP. He was amazing. But the last six weeks, and a lot has to do with, obviously, his shoulder issue. I'm sorry, his elbow issue. But the last six weeks, uh, he's been playing at a at a fairly abysmal level, right? Uh, six touchdowns, seven interceptions, um, you know, completion percentage somewhere in the 60% range. Quarterback rating is not great either. And, and I think what 
what Bill Belichick is going to be able to do tomorrow night, especially with how badly the Buffalo Bills ran the Patriots off the, the field in the playoffs, I think the pride is on the line of the defense. I think Bill Belichick has been thinking about this game quite a bit. And I think what's going to happen is he's going to force Josh Allen into a couple of mistakes, right? Uh, I'm not saying it could be an interception, it could be a fumble, whatever it is. There'll be one of those opportunities where we'll get the ball back and have extra possessions. And I think that's the reason why the Patriots are going to win this game. It's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a 47-7 uh, blowout again like it was in a play. It's going to be somewhere in the realm of if we can keep the, the Bills to a 23-point, 24-point game, we can probably squeak out a win 27-24. Am I being nuts here? Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're nuts. I mean, I personally, I think the New England Patriots are going to cover in this game. I think the Bills are going to win this game outright, though. Uh, the point spread has kind of, I mean, it started off at, you know, the Bills laying five, five and a half points. It's come down to three and a half, so like a lot of money has been coming in on like the Patriots side of things mm -hmm. and is moving the line down. But, you know, I, I think I think the Bills do win this game and we, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks, you know, to go with like the Josh Allen injury. Honestly, I think Allen's elbow is a bigger problem mm -hmm. than what the team is making it out to be. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be one of those deals of they're going to ride Josh and the elbow until, you know, the end of the season or the ligament just flat out tears, whichever one comes first. But I'll say this much, and I know we were talking about this offline yesterday. Whenever their season ends, whether it's, you know, uh, a, you know knocked out in the playoffs or a Super Bowl win, like, the, you know, they get knocked out on a Sunday. By Wednesday of that week, they he will have surgery scheduled mm. to fix that elbow. But... You know, it's it's a mix of the elbow. Um, the 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 Bills have a really bad habit of playing down their competition, and we've seen that. You know, you know, rear its ugly head last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you know they barely beat the uh, they barely beat the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, and you know they even let. We can we can well, even go back to the Packers game. I mean, they didn't score any points in the second half of that game, and they let the Packers hang around, and just run the football down their throat, and they really were just playing with their food. And then he got hurt against the Jets the following week. Well, do you mind if I expand on that on that real quick? Because like we talked about this last year, where like you know the reason why they lost that AFC uh, AFC divisional game to the Chiefs was because the game wasn't in Arrowhead. It was uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't in Buffalo. It was in Arrowhead. And they had the inside track after beating the Kansas City Chiefs last year, and they lost a bunch of meaningless games. It seems like it's happening again this year, and we thought they wouldn't be, they would be better, they would be more equipped to deal with this adversity. They would obviously take the next level of being consistent every single week, but they haven't taken that step. Are you at all concerned with the development of a Josh Allen and that team with Super Bowl aspirations that they can't seem to put it together week by week? I mean, this this isn't going to work in the playoffs. Like, if they come out one week and play well, and the next week they're not playing well, obviously See, we're all we're all thinking that they're gonna rebound like they did last year, but that's not a given. I mean, we, they could come out and look like they did against uh, name a crappy team, uh, a crappy team of the last six weeks that they played against. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's uh, indicative of the, the 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 development of Josh Allen. I wouldn't say it's more. Uh, I, I guess like you're gonna have to put it on the coaching if you know I'm saying that the team is playing down the competition. Like, I don't know if it's just, you know, player, the players and the team, for that matter, just expecting to roll the balls out there and be like, okay, it's the Detroit Lions. We have this high-flying offense with Stephon Diggs and, you know, Gabe Davis and 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 uh, Isaiah McKenzie and whatnot. We're just going to do enough to tread water to actually, like, win this game or, you know, we don't even have to try. I mean, when it comes to playoff time, you know, they're going to have to amp up the game, you know, the game and the, the uh, you know, the, the competitive juices because their ass is in the jackpot. If they don't win, they go home. And they are the consensus pick at the start of the season to win the Super Bowl. And I think that's another thing playing into the Josh Allen stuff is, like, on top of the injury, he's pressing to live up to the – MVP expectations that everyone, including myself, has put on him this year and the Super Bowl aspirations of the team. Uh, so I think it's more along the lines of the players playing with their food and coaching, maybe not riding them as hard to to actually, you know, be even keeled and treat every game as if it is almost like a winner go home type of deal. Um, but I don't think this is an indictment on Josh Allen. I think this is just, you know, Josh Allen trying to gut through an injury right now. And that's why I think one of the keys that, the, you know, the Bills are going to have to do in this game is actually run Josh Allen. I know mm -hmm. I've gone back to this the last couple of weeks 
specifically against the New England Patriots is I have in my mind how much Justin Fields yep. ran all over this defense. And I understand, like, the defense for New England has improved since then. I'm not going to take anything away from the Pats. But at the same time, like, Josh Allen is a different kind of runner compared to anybody else in the league. It's like a brick shit house coming at you with power, with speed, and has no problem lowering the elbow, lowering the shoulder, rather, and getting in your face. And the team adopts to that type of mentality, in my opinion. So I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Josh Allen running the ball, specifically in the red zone, because he's had a bad habit the last couple of weeks of throwing red zone interceptions. You're probably going to see some gadget plays with you know, with uh, Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir. Maybe James Cook will be involved a little bit more in the run game. Um, I think Gabe Davis is going to have his opportunities because obviously Stefan Diggs is going to be taking a lot of attention. So the throws are going to be there, well, but I think this is going to be a heavier run game type of deal for the Buffalo Bills. And to, you know, talk a bit more about that interceptions that he throws in the end zone. A lot of those interceptions, Puma, in the end zone aren't him getting fooled. It's not him, you know, dropping back, looking over the middle of the field, doesn't see that, you know, linebacker creeping back up into the zone and picking him off. It's not that. It's those plays where he runs around, runs to the sideline, then throws it, throws a ridiculous pass he shouldn't be throwing across his body, and, like, it gets picked off. Like, that's the stuff that, like, I I just I have no toleration for. Like, I, I don't understand that. I have no problem with you getting fooled and throwing a bad interception in the red zone. But then when you do this backyard BS and you run around and throw an interception, that's, that's what really concerns me. That we're, what, four and a half, five years into his career now, and he's potentially going to be an MVP and, a, and try to go on a Super Bowl run, he still throws a ridiculous picks. Like... Like that that's the stuff that he's gotta really clean up if he has if he wants to be able to make it to the Super Bowl and win it win it for, for his team. No, I'm right there with you. And but I think I mean we saw it in the Detroit game as well too. There were times where he's trying to make those he's making those throws and sometimes he's throwing it on a rope and it's only his guy that can get it. And then there are times where you can see the elbow is affecting the accuracy and not being able to drive the ball. But at the same time, I'll I'll meet you halfway. Like there is there are those boneheaded throws in place that Josh Allen, yeah, that Josh Allen just needs to you know hang his head and be like you know I need to just throw it out or just like run enough to move the chains type of deal like just live to fight another play. But I I think this is going to be a heavy run game type of deal. And to get to the Buffalo Bills defense real quick, Jay, like you know we're we're looking at this you know this is a this is a massive homestand for the New England Patriots. Their asses, you know, again, their asses in the jackpot. If they win, their playoff chances increase exponentially. If they lose, they're pretty much done. They're going to need a lot of help to even make it as a wild card, in my opinion, if they lose this game tomorrow. But I think the defense, you know, Von Miller being out is going to be a massive problem. But it's on the optimistic side of things. He might be back the following week when they play the New York Jets. So the injury doesn't sound as bad he's probably going to be playing with you know a big brace to try to stabilize that knee so it doesn't you know it doesn't move anymore and that ligament damage doesn't become like a tear because i believe if i read the reports right correct me if i'm wrong that was his surgically repaired knee from two Mm -hmm. three years ago when he was with denver yep and he played Um, only in the past as well with an injury so yep so i would expect him with a giant kevlar brace looking like barry bonds out there in the batter's box but Tredavious White coming back is going to be a big deal. And he played last week. He played 16 snaps, which is about 23% of the snaps uh, of the entire game. I'm not saying Tredavious White is going to play all, you know, 100% of the snaps this week. I think, you know, seeing him in the 35 at the high end of the percentage of snaps is going to be big. But having Tredavious White out there with the Matt Milano and, you know, Tremaine Edmonds should be back this game to anchor that middle linebacking core. Uh, you know, Ed Oliver has been coming around. Coming around. Uh, Greg Rousseau, I believe he missed last week. He's going to play this week. And, you know, it's funny. Both of these guys, both these teams played on Thursday. So it's not like a short week for these guys. They're actually on normal rest if you think about it. So I think this defense is going to be, you know, definitely more up to the task than what the Minnesota Vikings were last week mm-hmm. because the Vikings defense made this Patriot offense, mm-hmm. which we've all clowned, mm-hmm. look like the, you know, greatest show on turf at times on Thursday night. Well, let's talk about that real quick. And I wanted to hit on Mac Jones' development. Um, we're a year and a half in. And against the Vikings, he had 
probably his best game. Um, he went, what, 28 of 39, 382 yards, uh, two touchdowns. And, you know, for the Should most part... Should have been a third part, touchdown if you think about it. Yeah, with Hunter Henry. And for the most part, he had, he had a really, really, really good game. Problem is, he doesn't make the big plays in the fourth quarter. When you need him the most, he scored on six of his first seven drives, and then he went 0 for 4 in the fourth quarter. Like, he just seems to turtle up and just go away when the moment is too big for him. Now, they post some stats this week on Boston Radio because this is a big topic about the lack of his ability to bring the teams back in clutch situations. He's been only able to do it once in his uh, year and a half of starting. He's been able to do it against the Houston Texans last year, and they were god-awful. So they were down going to the fourth quarter there. He brought them back and won fine. We give him his credit. But it was just one over all the opportunities he's had. He's had opportunities against the Cowboys last year, the Buccaneers last year, the Vikings this year, against uh, the, who was it this year, earlier this year, against the Ravens this year as well. He's had about five, six opportunities where he could have essentially brought the team back and won. And we've been so used to seeing that happen with Tom Brady over the years that it's drawing for us Patriots fans to see that he doesn't have that quote-unquote it factor or the clutch, you know, whatever you want to call it, that when the fourth quarter is there and the pressure is tight and everybody's looking for to make a play you can't seem to do that mm-hmm. no i mean there were times i was watching that game i mean he seemed to be dr- making you know driving the team down the field but th- i mean that dude like that fourth quarter with like the game on the line it was you know it was a mix of we saw the limitations of max arm mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. like we saw that clear as day but some of like the play calling was just like i mean you have no timeouts and you're running routes in the middle of the field and i mean no one really seemed to have any you know gusto to try to get to the line real quick i mean that that last series was just mind-boggling to me well it's funny because over the years we've thought about the patriots as being a very um disciplined team um you know i've heard the the remarks that the patriots are very uncharacteristic this year they make a lot of dumb mistakes and it seems like it's happening more and more now. Like, it, that's the thing that always, like, is jarring for me with the Brady departure and the whole Brady build debate. Like, I, I thought for some reason this team was still going to be able to be situationally great, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not make those stupid mistakes when it's when it matters the most. So, you know, you were watching the Vikings game. They're, like, you know, running to the kicker and giving up a touchdown on a return. Like, just stupid stuff that you don't see happen that seems to always creep up right and, and i know i said i'm really excited about tomorrow night's game and i'm having the patriots win this i don't know why i'm so overly confident just because i know it's the last stand i know if you don't win tomorrow it's basically over but but it is it is still concerning that they seem to fix one problem but then another problem leaks leaks from like the other side of the of the house right like it's always something like they had an issue with the offense for so long you know the defense was fine and then on against the Vikings the offense seems to come alive but then the defense starts to get gashed by Kirk Cousins right like it's just mm-hmm. it seems like it's always something and you can never put it all together and that's just shocking to me I just thought it wouldn't be like this three years post post Tom Brady right. No, I mean, it, I mean, this has always been kind of the debate recently. Is like, you know, was it Bill or was it was it Tom? And it seems like it was Brady. Disip- I mean, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, it right now, let's call it spade a spade. It was Brady. Right now, that the the Patriot way walked out, went down to Tampa when Tom left. But um, Jay, real quick before we wrap on this game, uh, looking at the injury report, Damian Harris is out, mm-hmm. so this is gonna be mm-hmm. a heavy Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson game. Isaiah Wynn's going to be out this game. Jacoby Myers is questionable. Marcus Jones is questionable. But, I mean, he's probably going to play. Jalen Mills is questionable. But the one injury that I want to know, you know, maybe you've been following and reading the tea leaves up in Boston is, what's going to be up with David Andrews? Is he going to play? Because even without Von Miller in this lineup, if David Andrews doesn't play, I think this offensive line is going to be under siege a lot. I think he's tracking to play uh, tomorrow night. I know he wanted to come back and play this past week against the Vikings, but they wanted to hold him out for one more week. I think he's tracking to play tomorrow night. Now, obviously, a lot of that is shrouded around mystery because Belichick hates giving you any information. Um, but if I had to bet right now, I think Andrews will play tomorrow night. Um, but I would not be shocked one bit if he doesn't. Gotcha. Now, who would replace Win? Would that be Kajus? So probably a mixture of Kajus. Uh, they they've been they've been experimenting with moving Trent Brown from left to right, right to left. Um, they've been experimenting with moving people between guard and tackle. Like it's it's still a work in progress. We're uh, week thirteen now, and they still can't seem to figure out the protection, which is 
a little bit shocking, truthfully. But then again, when you have Matt Patricia as your offensive line coach, I guess we all shouldn't be shocked that some of the stuff is still happening at week 13. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a cluster bleep. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to can Matt, you know, can Matt Jones not make the big mistakes? He, you know, he's not turned the ball over for the last three weeks. And it's going to come down to you, you securing the ball and obviously forcing Josh Allen to make a couple of mistakes, uh, whether it's interceptions or fumbles or whatever it is. So that's that's the game boiled down to a nutshell. You, you win the turnover battle, you're probably going to win this game. Now, the weather might be a little bit of a concern. I was just going to ask, well, what's the, the weather report? Well, the weather for Josh Allen, it's not an issue just because the guy throws two hurricanes. But for Mac Jones, anytime the the wind or gust level is above uh, five to seven miles per hour, the ball the ball he throws can be altered. Now, I'm saying that jokingly, but uh, maybe not He's jokingly. got a rag on <laughs> Uh, the weather tomorrow night is supposed to be somewhere in the 40s, cold, you know, New England night. Wind's going to be a little bit of a factor, gusting between 15 to 25 miles per hour. So if it's on the higher end of that, 25 miles per hour in that state and the way it whips, that could be an issue. If it's on the lower end of 15, I think we should be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's definitely, I'll say this much, though. Regardless of the outcome of this game, this will probably be the one time Al Michaels has been happy on Thursday night football. So <laughs> yeah. let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this game tomorrow. It's going to be a fun time, man. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about the 7-5 New York Jets led by... J-E-T-S! Jets! 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 Led Sorry. by Joe Namath incarnate Mike White. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know why I made Joe Namath die, but he's still alive. But Mike White, a.k.a. the next Joe Namath, is traveling up to Minnesota. Take on the Vikings, who are 9-2. and two. Puma, who you got to win this game, man? Jay. Not only do I have the Jets same here, plus same three here. as a best bet, I have th- this team is Let's a go, very Jones. live dog in this matchup on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. And Jay, I, I was thinking about this earlier, and the the comp that I have on how this team is, you know, kind of rallied around Mike White in his stints as a starter is honestly like akin to how Taylor Heineke is rounded has has rallied mm-hmm. this that Washington mm-hmm. football team Washington Commanders team and you know you look at the reports coming out of the locker room post game against the Chicago Bears and everyone seemed to be like you know that essentially saying like Mike White knew what his role in this offense was and to to get the best out of everybody and it made me think of this clip of yeah, I think it was like the very few, one of the few times that Chase Young was mic'd up in his rookie season, and you know that's where the Heineke kind of came from. And and one of the po- you know, the poignant lines was, you know, oh, number four is operating. You know, he'd been paying attention, and he was like, you know, you're a baller, like you know, kind of get after type of deal. And that's the the vibe I'm getting from this New York Jets team is everyone seems to be rallying around the student. And Jay, look at that. Like Elijah, Elijah Moore kind of had a resurgence and found the end zone for the first time last week against the Chicago Bears. And and it kind of stuck out to me when, you know, the New York Jets defense, which in my opinion has been playing at a elite level for the season thus far, they kind of came out the first half against the Bears and and really laid an egg against like Trevor Simeon. You know, the Bears were kind of having their way. But Mike White rallied the team, put points on the board, and I'm sitting there thinking, if this is Zach Wilson, like, they're probably down 17 points going into halftime. Like, this this team just seems to be operating at a different level. Now, to get to this week's game, you have Sauce Gardner, who's going to have the, you know, get your popcorn ready type of matchup against Justin Jefferson. But, you know, I think the Jets are going to be able to move the ball through the air. The Minnesota Vikings, for as good of a season that they have been having thus far, on the defensive side of the football, we talked about in the last segment, they made the Pats look like the greatest show on turf. Uh-huh. They're, they're ranked dead last yep. in passing defense. Yep. So, you know, Mike White's going to be able to move the ball. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, is going to have a day. I think you're going to see a lot more of Elijah Moore. And I'm going to go out and say, if you need help at the wide receiver position, I wouldn't turn my nose up at Elijah Moore this weekend. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the the backup running back, um, Zonathan Jones, I'm, I'm, if I'm butchering his name, I'm sorry. But, you know, 
James uh, James Robinson was a healthy scratch last week. Uh, they're running. Uh, Michael Carter had a, a, a bum knee, so uh, you know the, this running back here, uh, Jonathan Jones. I'm pretty sure he filled in admirably, and I think he's going to get a lot of work this week. So, dude, give me give me all of the Jets. I, it's mm-hmm. I know the the line has kind of been set as like a sucker bet at Jets plus three, but I think this is a very live dog to win this game outright. Well, I find it so funny that after Mike White leads them to a win, and let's not forget, he led them to a win in, in a little bit of a rainstorm. Like oh, it was, was it was downpouring, it bro. Was downpouring. The conditions were tough to throw in at, uh, at MetLife Stadium. You know, rain, uh, wind, and he still made it look so easy and effortless. And you know, at the end of the game, he's having a post-conference, uh, a post-game like interview, and all of his teammates come around. They're hugging him. They're cheering him on. They look happy. Like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore look happy to actually be on the field catching passes from him. Like Robert Sala was saying something like, "He makes the easy look easy," which is basically a yes. direct shot. Which is a direct shot at, at Zach Wilson for. And I truly felt that Zach Wilson was holding that team back. Like if you look at the stats with the Jets' offense with. Without Zach Wilson when he's been hurt, that Jets offense has been like at the top, top like, you know, six or seven, I believe, in offense mm-hmm. efficiency and ranking. And with Zach Wilson in the lineup, they're like the bottom two or three. So like it's it's a drastic difference in in how Zach Wilson was holding his team back. And I think Robert Sala, you know, it's a you know, we're still talking about it being the right move. He had to make this move and and I think these guys are on the beginning of a potential playoff run. Now I think they're gonna be able to go up there and carve up that pretty horrendous um uh, Vikings pass defense. If if Mac Jones is able to go out there and look like Tom Brady, uh, basically against that defense, I'm sure Mike will have Mike White will have no issue at all. The key is obviously on defense. You've got to stop Justin Jefferson. So I am looking hardcore to see how Sauce Gardner matches up on Justin Jefferson because the the conventional theory is they're gonna play him mano a mano man up right. And a lot of teams have a disadvantage because they've got to roll coverage to Justin Jefferson or bracket him or double him or whatever they got to do. They've got to protect, they got to put so many resources at Justin Jefferson that people are wide open, right? And in that Patriots game, you saw the Patriots got burned because they put him put a Jonathan Jones single coverage on him in the first half. But in the second half, they overcorrected. They put too many resources towards Justin Jefferson's side. And there's people like Thielen running wide open on the other, on the other end. So we're going to see what the game plan is with the Jets. And they match up perfectly against this offense. They can stop the run with their front four without blitzing. They can put pressure on Kirk Cousins. They're going to obviously be able to, I think, potentially hold on Justin Jefferson with Sauce Gardner. I think the Jets are going to win this game, man. This, this is going to be like the fever pitch in New York on Monday is going to be like at a new level because they beat a 9-2 Minnesota Vikings team. Mm-hmm. No, dude, absolutely. Like, I, I will be glued to WFAN on Monday if they're able to squeak out this win. And, Jay, real quick, I mean, I, I we all know what Zach Wilson is at this point. And I, I understand he's the number two overall pick, but, I mean, barring injury, this is Mike White's job, right? Like, there's no way they can go back to Zach Wilson, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've seen the end of Zach Wilson's career in uh, in New York, and I'm not gonna lie, to you, I don't even feel sorry for the guy. I think the guy is so unlikable. I was thinking about this the other day. It's one thing that we don't like him, but if we feel this way, I'm sure the people in the locker room feel that way as well. Like, and and you can't have your leader of an NFL team be unliked and then then that's not even talking about the fact that his play on the field is just god awful it is it was one of the worst quarterback performances i've seen over the past four or five weeks watching zach wilson try to throw football and i don't understand how he isn't any better a a year in right we all we all knew last year was a disaster for him we said we're going to give him a year in the offseason to figure out what his issues were and come back stronger and show us something right he didn't do any of that he just went out there and banged people's moms and didn't put any work in and now he's paying for it And, and truthfully i wouldn't be mad one bit if i never have to see another one of zalk wilson's stupid pompous press conference with the stupid headband yeah, I mean, and you know, this is me saying this. I'm, I'm with you. I think, I mean, obviously, I, I'm thinking this is Mike White's job to, you know, lose if he gets hurt type of deal. But this is his job moving forward because he's using the team the way they're supposed to. And I'm, I, I understand. Last week, I said I don't think his, his career in New York is over. 
Um, I thought this was just going to be like a teachable moment type of deal to humble him. But then like you see, mm-hmm. I believe it was the athletic yep. after the game talking about how, you know, Mike White and the offense would come off the field and they would go over the, over the plays of the tablet the and Joe Flacco is sitting yep. there. Mm-hmm. Russ, Zach Wilson's nowhere to like, not even mm-hmm. near the bench, like nowhere mm-hmm. to be found. Uh-huh. And seems like with the puss on his face and looking around, like doesn't want anything to do with it. And it was at that moment that I was like, uh, his, kid, he's, right? his marked, he's a marked man in, in New York, in New, New York at one Fordham drive. So, uh, I think this is this is Mike White's team. I think this is his job to lose at this point. Um, he's a uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd say this a low rent version of Taylor Heineke just because of the moxie he plays with, right? So you know, the give me give me all of uh, Mike White here. Yeah, and, and I liked Mike White last year. I, I think he obviously mm-hmm. had that amazing showdown with the with, uh, with the Bengals, and he beat them, and he outdueled Joe Burrow. And then next week, he actually started out hot against the Colts. I remember him driving the ball down the field, scoring a touchdown. Next drive, he hurts his elbow, and he's gone. Right. So I, I'm glad he's getting a second chance. And I think I think this is something. This is potentially the beginning of something magical for the Jets. Now I'm not saying he's going to be their franchise quarterback or their Super Bowl quarterback. No, I'm not saying all that. I'm saying. This is something magical in this year. They're gonna go on a run. It's gonna look amazing. Everybody's gonna have a great time with it. But the last thing about Zach Wilson, like I haven't ever seen somebody so unaware of who they are, right? Like, yeah. and a lot of times, like narcissistic people have this blind spot of where they can't see who they are. They can't crack jokes about themselves. I don't understand how Zach Wilson was blamed for being a bad teammate a week ago, right? Saying that he had no accountability for for the team losing. I don't understand how you can say those comments and then the next week you're still being a bad teammate. Like you are point you are basically benched for the fact that you're a bad teammate. Not because your play was bad. Your your play was god awful, but we all believe he was probably benched for being an arrogant prick and not understanding how how costly he was to that team and being a bad teammate. And then the next day, the next week, like the cameras are on you and you still don't get in that quarterback huddle. You still don't give your input to Mike White. You still mm-hmm. don't say, hey, Mike, I'm seeing this. You know, maybe you should try this. Like, even though like you suck, you still are supposed to be in that huddle providing, you know, your input and how you can help the team win regardless of you starting or not. Yep. No, you you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> That's everything. I mean, that, 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 that kind of encapsulates uh, Zach Wilson up until this point. And, you know, maybe we could do like a deeper dive in the offseason as to like what the Jets saw in this kid from BYU. But like, eh. I don't, I still don't understand that. Like, what, like, yeah, we'll do it in the offseason. But like, just a quick two seconds on this. Like, I watch a lot of college football, Puma. And remember, we had these conversations last year. And I'm like, they lost a coastal. And I'm like, what, what are they seeing? I don't see it. This is one of those things where like, I get so frustrated with the NFL scouting process because I feel like it's just like sheep talk. Because like, you know how like sheep follow each other? I feel mm-hmm. like one guy says it and then another scout takes it and he runs with it. And another scout says, regurgitates a bunch of sheep bullshit as well. And then next thing you know, all of a sudden, Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick in the draft. Like, like what are we doing here? We could yep. all agree Justin Fields, like, we, as Ohio State fans, I'm not being biased here, we clearly see the lack of leadership that C.J. Stroud provides, right? Mm-hmm. And what Justin Fields used to be, like, the fact that Justin Fields at Michigan tore up his knee, went out, put on a, a brace, came back on the first play through a dime touchdown to put the game away. Like, that kind of stuff, that kind of leadership, that kind of, like, intangibles is something that Justin Fields had that they could have drafted, but instead they went with this twat bag that, A, didn't have a great college career, and on top of that, seems to be a bad bad teammate. Do you understand Puma as a... At, at BYU, he wasn't a senior captain. Like the fact I remember that, that the fact that there's seven captains on the BYU squad, not like the four or five in, in the NFL. There's seven captains, and he didn't get a captaincy. Like that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Jay, I'll do you one better. Remember, he had the headband that said like anytime, any place, and yeah. I think it was Coastal Carolina that kept trying to get a game against BYU and they kept ducking them. And then when they finally played them, I think Coastal blew their doors off. Mm-hmm. Like. That's that's the type of dude you're rolling with. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. All right. No love lost there. So let's uh, let's move on to a game that I am so fast. I think this is a game of the week. This I don't is, care. This is gonna be this or the Kansas City Bengals game. Both of them are gonna be so good. Must watch TV. But I'm gonna turn the floor over to you because your eight and three Miami Dolphins 
are traveling to San Francisco to take on the 7-4 49ers. And Puma, let me be the first one to say this. I think the Dolphins might be in contention for the best team in the AFC, bro. Uh, Jay, I concur with that. And I think that campaign is going to be solidified when they beat the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. That's right. I said Santa Clara, not in San Francisco, because they are 45 minutes away from the Bay Area. But no, with all that being said, the Miami Dolphins, they are a four-point underdog on the road. And it's like big brother versus little brother. You know, you can go back and look up the history of Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. I mean, they, they essentially grew up together uh, type of deal. Uh, you know, McDaniel started off as a ball boy with the Denver Broncos. And, you know, now here we are. Like, we're, he's a head coach in the NFL. Um, you know, a little bit of a little bit of uh, some, you know, Latin flair, in my opinion. You know, a couple of those, uh, you know, Latin singers from the 90s. He's just oozing that kind of confidence type of deal. And, uh, you know, he's just a great guy. And, you know, he has his own, like, goofy coaching style. Uh, but that really resonates with the players. And there was a video of him being mic'd up this week where he yelled, like, clock, like, 55 times. And when they finally clocked it, he's like, nice. And it's just, like, little things like that is just what livens up the, the mood, in my opinion, in South Florida. And, you know, Jay, this is honestly the happiest I've been as a Dolphins fan ever. Like, ever. Really? I swear to God, ever. Ever. That's, ever. A, that's a strong like, statement, bro. You know, the, the closest to this would probably be like that, you know, little flash in the pan with uh, with uh, Chad Pennington mm-hmm. when, you know, they were doing the Wildcat and all that stuff. Wildcat. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, this is the happiest I've been. You have, you know, Mark Anthony Jr., a.k.a. Mike McDaniel as the head coach. Mystic you know, Mac. Rico... Rico Suave, you got two of Tagovailoa, which you know I wrote off last mm-hmm. year, and I am I am happily eating crow. And you know you can pull up the you, know, you can pull up the takes, you can pull up a blog. You were post not happy did. when they drafted, remember? I was not happy, Jay. I was I was more pissed about that than you were about Mac Jones being on your team. No, 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 no. Let's not be real. I am up. happy. No, 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 no. I was much more pissed. To, happy because, to because admit, I saw this coming for Tua. I knew he had it deep down in him, like. I don't think Mac Jones has anything deep down inside of him. Fair enough. But either way, this is the happiest I've been as a Dolphins fan. But but this is going to be a close game. It's going to be interesting. Tyreek Hill left last week with uh, you know a bit of an injury. But honestly, I, I think that was more just, hey, we're going to take everyone out type of deal. I mean, Teron Armstead against the, the Houston Texans. You know, he got a, a pectoral strain. And then I think Jeff Wilson got dinged up. And at that point... You know, Mike McDaniel did the smart thing, pretty much pulled out all the starters. Like, we're up handily. Houston's not coming back. Let's just do enough to tread water, win this game, get out. We're going to focus on San Francisco. Um, Early on, it sounded like Armstead was not going to play this week, but it sounds like Armstead is going to make a go and try to play. Uh, If he plays this week, uh, that is a massive boost on this offensive line. Uh, I get it. Armstead's not playing to his blind side because two is left-handed. But, you know, I think the offensive line is going to adapt to Teron Armstead's, you know, gamer mentality, warrior mentality, playing through that type of injury. And on the other side of the, of the ball, I mean, you, you have a quasi-dinged-up secondary in the 49ers. I'm not taking anything away because D'Amico Rob, you know, Robinson has been, you know, I'm sorry, D'Amico Ryan has been a – you know, a breath of fresh air to this defense. It's almost like they didn't lose a step from when Salah left. I mean, D'Amico has done an incredible job on the 49ers defense. He's definitely going to get some head coaching consideration this coaching cycle. Um, but I think that, that secondary can be had with Waddle and Gasecki and Tyreek Hill. Um, but the other thing to keep an eye on is, you know, Elijah Mitchell is missing this game because he re-injured that knee and he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And it sounds like Christian McCaffrey has a knee aggravation of some sort that limited him in the game last week. And it's going to limit him at practice this week. And for a player that's had lower body injuries for the majority of his career, it's definitely something worth watching. So, dude, give me the four points on the road. I understand it's big brother versus little brother, but this Dolphins team is on some incredible stuff right now. And I think if they win this game, not only are they going to cement themselves as the best team uh, in the AFC, but Jay, I wouldn't be surprised if Tua saw a massive bump in the MVP odds. Mm-hmm. I, I listen. I think he right now 
should be number two in the MVP odds to Patrick Mahomes. And if he didn't get hurt, like if he didn't get hurt, bro, like he would be, I'd be giving him the vote. I would, I think the Dolphins would have maybe one loss, maybe undefeated, who the hell knows? Like mm-hmm. this team just like believes and oozes like confidence. Like it's so funny to see the turbulent like upheaval that was Brian Flores and, and and you know I've kind of kept kept an eye on him right obviously you're a Dolphins fan so we talk about them on the pod so I kind of get some of that as well through talking to you like it was just a completely different like culture shift right and, and I saw this amazing quote about how last year there were times where Tua looked in the mirror and was like man do I suck like his his mm-hmm. confidence was so low and then this year in the offseason like Mike McDaniel is sitting down and showing him 700 of his best plays right and that's really helped him elevate his game back to the MVP level. And, like, let's be real, Puma. Like, quarterbacking or finding a good quarterback in the NFL is it, such a, a nuanced art because it's not just about your talent. If you have the, you know, Justin Herbert has the biggest talent in the world, but I think he's seriously lacking something that's that's a a, a, a makeup for him. Like, there's something that's not there. And I think Tua has it. Like, the quote-unquote intangible, like the fact that you can be a leader, the fact that you have something inside of you that keeps on pushing no matter how bad it gets, there's something that that kid has. And like, I, I keep bringing it up over and over again. I will never be able to get over the fact that he was thrown into a national championship game at the cold. biggest stage possible, cold. And he's just like, you know what? Freak it. I'm going to throw 90 yards down the field. And yeah, he had good receivers then, but like, those kind of balls are hard to find. And I'm so glad finally starting to see this Tua that we saw at, at Alabama and, and I think it's a magical story I think I think it's a bigger story in life like if you're a manager or a person that can hire out there and you, you're seeing somebody struggle and you see that they do have something in them just encourage them man just like you know make sure you help them out as much as possible don't like you know crap on them like take them by the hand show them build their confidence up and you can you can see how they'll prosper man mm-hmm. no 100% I mean you know I mean, gee, he's got to be comeback player of the year, Absolutely, right? Like, I mean, I mean, it's, I, honestly, I think it's 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 obviously it's him and Gino mm-hmm. at at this point. Like, it's him and Gino, and, and Gino's I, I would, kind of falling off too, man. No, this is different. I level. would make an argument that like Tua overcoming Brian Flores mm-hmm. is like the bigger accomplishment out of anything this year. But no, I mean, this team this team is hitting on all cylinders, and you know, nothing to take away from the 49ers. I. Jay, not to get like nostalgic, but like I just feel like this is the perfect storm for the Dolphins. Almost like I hate I hate to even say it, like a team of destiny type of deal. Like all, all, everything is just coming together at once. Like they finally got the talent at the pass at the pass catcher position. They're starting to show up the offensive line. They have an offensive minded coach that gets it, and you have an owner ownership group in Stephen Ross that one got his hand slapped because of some things he did with Brian Flores, and you know may or may not have done some tampering and whatnot, but. All that being said, everything that two has overcome. I mean, this is like some Cinderella Man story level stuff. So give me two, give me all, inject this dolphin stuff into my veins, bro. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm rooting for you guys. I think you guys are gonna win on uh, on Sunday. Big game, big spot. You guys are on the national, not not the the prime time game, but in the national spotlight well, we'll the next be on couple the prime weeks. Time game next week, exactly, baby. Right? Yeah. So next week, Dolphins Chargers, and right now. I'll go ahead and say it. Early prediction next week. Dolphins are beating the Chargers. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm i just, I'm like, as much as I love Justin Herbert, there's something missing with that kid. Like, I don't know what it is. But even though he got a win this past week against the Cardinals, but we'll talk about that next week. But last game that we're going to be previewing today, the 9-2 Kansas City Chiefs taking on the 7-4 Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are rounding into shape Puma. Like, they've won the last four out of five. And I think this week I'm going to pick them being the Kansas City Chiefs. Mostly because, A, I think Joe Burrow is one of the, one of the few cats in the NFL that can rival Patrick Mahomes, that can take that mantle from him, that can go toe-to-toe with him. We've seen it twice last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. And I think now, especially this weekend with Mixon and Jamar Chase coming back in the lineup, I think this is going to be like fireworks central down in Cincinnati. I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be awesome. The buzz is around town. You know, Bengals fans are excited about this game. You know, so far, Joe Burrow's having a really good year as well. 30, 100 yards, 23 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Like, yeah, his season started, so, his season started off slow. The Bengals started off slow. But they're really starting to get hot at the right time. I really am looking forward to this game. And I think the Bengals are going to pull up the upset, man. 
Yeah, I'm on the other side. I'm I'm going with the Chiefs in this matchup. I, I think they're gonna, you know, try to redeem themselves after, you know, squandering that game in the uh in the championship series uh against uh against the Bengals at home last season in Arrowhead. I just I I feel like they're gonna come out, they're gonna have something to prove. Um Chris Jones on this defensive line. I know the Bengals have been playing on fire. In my opinion, they're the best team in the AFC North at this point. With with how bad the you know the Ravens have been playing down the down the stretch recently, um, but this offensive line still gives me pause at times. And I think Chris Jones and and you know defensive coordinator uh, Steve Spagnuolo are going to come up with some some things to make life a little bit more uncomfortable uh, for for Joe Burrow back there um, and. It sounds like Jamar, I think there's a you know there's a good probability Jamar Chase is going to play. I mean, with the concussion protocol and concussions in general, like who knows if Joe Mixon is actually going to clear the protocol throughout the week? I honestly think he's going to play, but I'm not holding my breath to it at this point. Um, but no, I mean, give me give me the give me the Chiefs here. It's a, you know depending on what book you're looking at, it's Chiefs minus two, Chiefs minus two and a half. I, I know I hate betting the Chiefs because they never cover, but it's under that key number of three for a field goal. Give me the Chiefs on the road at this point. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I have a vibe that this might be the come back down to earth moment for the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. All right. All right. This should be a, should be a fun time. Um, okay, cool. And that's all I've got in the game previews. Do you want to hit up the best bets with the Puma? Uh, yeah, got to hit up the best bets. We got to go to the cash machine, hit that pay window right now. The best bets I got, we'll start off with the team. I just mentioned, I am laying two and a half with the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, the game we didn't talk about new Orleans saints versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got the saints at plus three and a half only because the saints throughout Tom Brady's tenure in Tampa Bay, they seem to be giving, you know, they give him fits. You know, whether it's, you know, in the Thunderdome or at, you know, Raymond James Stadium, they just seem to have that, you know, that moment where they just give Tom Brady fits uh, as a defensive unit. They seem to be getting healthier on the defensive side of the football. And I understand it was the Rams two weeks ago, but, you know, this this offense really had their way with the, you know, L.A. Rams defense. I believe they're coming off of a bye week, so everyone's going to be, you know, in theory a little bit healthier. I think you're going to see a lot more of Alvin Kamara to keep it close. Give me the three and a hook at, you know, New Orleans plus three and a half. Uh, my best bet of the week is the Jets plus three. The Tennessee Titans going on the road to Lincoln Financial Field against the Philadelphia Eagles, probably the, one of the you know, the best team in the NFL at this point. I'm going to take the five and a half points against the Philadelphia Eagles. This just seems like a prime Mike Vrabel spot where everyone is counting against them. Vrabel really has these guys rise up to the occasion in these moments, so I will happily take the you know five and a half points on the road. You know we've been seeing this you know the surging <coughs> of uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill seems to be coming back into form a bit. So give me those five points here. Uh, and then Dolphins plus four against the 49ers. And then I have a little tease action for you. I got a teaser. I have the Baltimore Ravens uh, tease down to minus two and a half against the Denver Broncos. Um, and I have the Detroit Lions teased up to seven and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Broncos, they're an absolute dumpster fire. And the Jaguars, they came off that clutch win against the Baltimore Ravens. But I'm sorry. I, I think the Detroit Lions might be a little bit better of a football team at this point. I, they're, just, they're, they're playing harder. Uh, ETN being out for uh, the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be a big problem. So I will tease this up to Detroit plus 7.5. And, and I will tease down the Ravens down to uh, Ravens minus 2.5. Okay. All right. <coughs> Sounds like fun times, brother. Um, do you have anything else you want to get to? You want to get to uh, before we get to that Puma? Mm-hmm. I'm the biggest Utah Utes fan on Saturday night. Oh, here we go. Let's go. Well, Utah. hang on. We gotta we gotta talk though. We gotta talk. Are, are you okay with? Uh, no, you know, no, I'm not the, okay. The game I'm not down? okay. No, of course I'm not okay, Puma. Like, how am I gonna be okay when we, the Buckeyes, had a stranglehold over that team up north? We we beat them for 20 years straight, and the one time we lost was when it was like what, like 
02 or whatever the crap it was. The the fact that Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle had a 16-1 record against Michigan. The fact that we basically dominated that series for for 17 years. And now all of a sudden we're 1-2. and two. Like Ryan Day has let the Michigan Wolverines win... Two straight games, and not just two straight games. Getting embarrassed, like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I am just so as a Buckeye fan, I haven't been this embarrassed in a long time, Puma. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, I am so embarrassed, and, and I'm getting so much crap from all these Michigan fans because I was talking a lot of shit. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I have a Jay talking shit. I guess oh. I have a comment, but like I just I just don't understand how the same problems exist existed from last year. The fact that we couldn't play sound gap on defense, the fact that we're letting running backs run loose, the fact that our secondary was getting torched. All that happened last year happened again this year. And the fact that we brought in a $2 million defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State to fix all those problems and we're still like palms up, like what the hell is happening? Like I, I'm not doing good. I, I think Ryan Day is not on the hot seat because obviously it's, um, it's a little too early. But put it this way, if I'm Gene Smith, I am putting a plan in play right now to execute, should in case he loses that game next week, next year. If he goes one three against Michigan, write the book. Just, just write the book. And, and you people that try to tell me from a national perspective that, oh well, look at Ryan Day's record. That record doesn't mean jack shit nope. if you don't beat Michigan. What, what you don't people understand that people that aren't in the rivalry is, it doesn't matter what you do against Indiana. It doesn't matter what you do against Alabama. It matters what you do against Michigan. We beat them and we keep them buried. That's what I've known for 20 years, and all of a sudden now, you know, uh, they come into our house and embarrass us. Come on, man. Come on. Yep. No, Jay, uh, you hit you hit the nail on the head, and, you know, uh, a guy for uh, for CBS also does the uh, Cover 3 podcast, Tom Fernelli, hit the nail on the head perfectly, and this is what I was talking to people in the office uh, that I work with because we were, you know, we were watching the Michigan-Ohio State game, and, uh, you know, they're what they're hearing the commentators talk about, you know, oh, Ryan Day might be on a hot seat. And they're like, well, I mean, it's just, a, you know, they just lost the yeah, game type yeah, of deal. Yeah, like, yeah, no, 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 you don't understand. Shit. Like, you don't understand. The expectation goes essentially in this order. Beat Michigan. Yep. Win the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. National championship. Uh-huh. Because everyone understands, like, national championship with the politics and everything. Even before it was the playoff and it was the BCS the politics were real, right? Mm-hmm. But it was always beat Michigan, win the Big Ten. The, like, those two things that matter. And if you're not going to beat Michigan, then why are you there? Like, that is all that that, that rivalry cares about. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. Fernelli put it perfectly this way. He's not on the hot seat necessarily. It's warm. But... Is there really any different, you know, feeling than the expectations he's going to be facing in 2023? (laughs) Well, well, I I think the best way I can encapsulate is, um, first of all, you people on a national level that want to tell me about my Ohio State program and how we shouldn't be putting pressure on Ryan Day, go screw yourself. You guys don't know Mm -hmm. jack shit, all right? Ryan Day could go 0-10. It could be a miserable, miserable year. But if he beat Michigan, we'd be like, you know what? Hey, man, things happen, bro. Things happen. You know what? You got a bad year here and there. You can't win them all. But you can't lose this game. You simply cannot lose this game. It's it's basically bred into every single Ohio State Buckeye and every single Michigan Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ryan Day now is starting, to, is starting to emulate these trends, and I was hoping this wasn't true with them, but it's starting, to, it's starting to show up over and over again. You know, we lost to Alabama. We got run off the field in 2020, right? Remember that game? We yeah. Were uncompetitive, right? Um, we we lost to Oregon last year when, you know, our first knockout punch didn't land and we had to fight it out. We lost last year when, obviously, Michigan beat us, right? Um, you're starting to see these trends where he has a game plan and a great game plan they'll come in with, but if that game plan doesn't land, he can't, he doesn't have the coaching chops to adjust the game on the fly two or three times as needed. Right, and mm-hmm. you saw that with Jim Harbaugh. You saw him pull into his his uh, his NFL experience, and you saw he had two different game plans. That team came out in a different in a different style the second half. They they basically changed the whole philosophy of the game, and they ran us out the building. You feel me? Yeah. And and that's something Ryan Day doesn't have yet. Urban Meyer had it. Urban Meyer was great. As bad as Urban Meyer gets shitted on, and I know you people have it out for him with the Jacksonville Jaguars thing. But as an Ohio State Buckeye, he had a plan going going into the game against Michigan, and then he had a counter punch. The team always came out a different team in the second half. 
This is something Ryan Day can't seem to do. And I'm not saying it's um, something you can't work with because Dabo Sweeney is the best case of this. The guy is simply a hype man. He's a recruiter. He game plans. And when he has Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, he's basically unstoppable. But when he doesn't have those players and he has DJ Ungaluli or whatever the hell's name is, and you've got to have coaching chops, that's when Dabo Sweeney's of the world and Ryan Day's of the world are going to have some serious issues. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I still think we can win with Ryan Day. I, I really think we can win with Ryan Day. The problem is, though, he better have a stack roster top to bottom. Like, he better have a stack roster top to bottom where CJ Stroud is the next Trevor Lawrence or the next, like, Deshaun Watson. Like, if CJ Stroud was that level of player, we would have been fine on, set, on Saturday, but he's not. And more often than not, you're not going to find those Trevor Lawrence's or or uh, Deshaun Watson's or even Justin Fields who's able to take that mantle and provide some leadership in those big games. You're not going to find those people. So you're going to have to win in those close games with execution and game planning. And that's something he seriously lacks. Does that yep. make sense or no? No, it does. It does. And, and uh, Fernelli brought up a good point. It was like, you know, those the year or two that, you know, Brian Day won – there were still Urban Meyer guys yep. on that mm-hmm. roster. You know what I mean? This, and then this like Urban... roster has gone to shit. Where, where, Puma, where is that Nick Bosa? Where's the Joey Bosa? Where's, where's the Chase uh, Young? Where's Chase Young? Where's Jeff Okuda? Where's all these studs on defense that Urban Meyer was able to get in there and, and win with? On top of that, like, I know Cardell Jones wasn't the best NFL quarterback, but as a college quarterback, he was phenomenal. Justin Fields, mm-hmm. all those guys, all those guys are phenomenal and now this roster is in a bad spot and Puma it's not getting any better because we our next quarterback is not currently on the roster like Irma, I'm sorry Ryan Day has to go out there hunting in free agency or go recruit somebody because the guys in the roster are simply not like Ohio State level starting quarterbacks like we don't have a Quinn Ewers on our roster right now right and Jay what is uh, for the Big Ten USC and UCLA they come in after next year right I believe 2023 Four, right? Yeah. I okay. Think, I yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's not like the, the competition is going to get any easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like L- UCLA, for as bad as they've been, like they're going to have that NIL money. If USC does what I expect them to do this year, which is make the college playoff and have a deep run, they are definitely going to have that NIL money. And especially, I mean, dude, there's, there are – there are well-to-do boosters for USC. So let me put it that way. There is going to be money to throw around to have a decent roster there. It is not like the sledding is going to get any easier, you know, in the next couple of years for Ohio State. And, you know, Jay, what's the, tra- what's the tradition? They, for every time OSU wins, you they, they give out the golden pants? Is that? Yep, the golden pants. Okay. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, he's going to need a couple. He's going to need more on that belt loop of his because he's only got one. So he's one and that, two. that's not going to cut it. He's one and two. And I'm not joking when I say Gene Smith would be a, a complete idiot. Gene Smith, the athletic director of the Ohio State Buckeyes, he's a guy that employs Ryan Day and all the athletic coaches. So it's on him to, in the back of his mind, you know, have a plan just in case. I'm not saying execute a plan. I'm not saying like you know, I want to you know basically go out there and start putting some some backdoor deals together. But know in the back of your mind, if he does go one and three, this is a problem you're gonna have to confront immediately the next day. Like next Saturday, next year comes around Saturday for the Ohio State Buckeye game against Michigan. If we lose that game Sunday, he better have a plan figured out on how he's gonna a move off of Ryan Day and be who's gonna be his next the next head coach. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of college, the only bet I have so far is a three-team parlay with Michigan beating Purdue, USC beating Utah, and oh, Georgia beating LSU. I got that at plus like 105 odds. That was earlier in the week. It's probably not going to be a plus money at this point. But, yeah, I just – I. I'm sorry, Jay. I don't see USC losing to Utah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's just a pipe. So what dream. would you guys do? Would you guys be playing the Rose Bowl if that's the case? Uh, so last year we played in the Rose Bowl against Utah, and uh, they probably won't send us back there again. They'll probably send us the Orange Bowl. Um, I mean, we could be back in the Rose Bowl just because it's Ohio State's a draw. It is what it is, right? Um, but I, I think if I had to guess, you know, the way I see it playing out, we probably won't make it in, and we probably will end up in the Orange Bowl. Um, it probably might be a good Orange Bowl against a team like an LSU or even an Alabama. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody wants that that package of games and rights to sell, such as the Ohio State-Alabama game. So, like, 
I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. But my, my, my bigger thing is, like, even if we do make the playoffs, Puma, like, part of me doesn't want to go to the playoffs. I don't want to see them go up against Georgia. Like, that's not going to be fun. Like, Georgia is just an absolute machine. Georgia is what Alabama was. Like, Kirby Smart is the next big thing. There's a good chance he's going to win back-to-back titles in, in college football. And his program right now is humming like the old Alabama program was humming. Yeah. Definitely going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I'm holding out hope for TCU, though. I love a good on Dude, can story. I be real? Yeah, I, go on. I don't want to see TCU in the playoffs. I'm sorry, man. They're hey, they're better team. than Cincinnati last year. Dude, they are better I, than yeah, Cincinnati last I year. I guess so. But my God, like, why? Why? Like, I just get so annoyed with TCU taking up a spot in the playoffs. Like, I'm not saying give us an extra spot, but, like, give Alabama an extra spot. Give LSU a spot. Give, like, I don't know. There's a million other teams. The, the TCU and the Pac 12 is crap. Like, that's the thing that you got to understand, Puma. There's, like, two big dogs. Oh, I know. You, Defense yeah. is optional in the exactly, Big 12. Right? So, like, I, I just, I, I'm not looking forward to them getting steamrolled by Michigan. And then on top of that, Michigan's going to have a playoff win. That's going to be even more unbearable. Like, it's it's just, like, I, I don't want to see that crap bag in the NFL, in, in the in, in the playoffs. Like, I, I'm sorry, TCU just doesn't do it for me. They're a crap say, team, stupid logo, stupid name. Like, what is that, man? Hey, the pride and joy with Danny Tomlinson. Alumni. Oh, great. That's wow. all I'm gonna say. Awesome. Oh. That's all I'm gonna say. Time, but I'll say this much though. Ohio State played TCU and we weren't twice. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, hey, they, you were pretty quiet. You moved <laughs> to three tables over the last time TCU played Ohio State. Yeah, but eventually I thought, it was a I thought we were gonna come to blows in the parking lot. But eventually it was a but blowout though, right? It was. It was. But I'll say this much though. I would rather see TCU this year than you know, yeah. no disrespect to Luke Fickle. Yeah. But Cincinnati last year, because Cincinnati was in there because of the the snafu that what was it UCF where they they had like the undefeated season, but like they were they weren't in a playoff and they were you know tout themselves as the was it the twenty seventeen national champions. They didn't want to have that that recreation of a snafu. So See, this, this, Cincinnati was there for like the hey at least you tried type of meme. This is this is the problem with inclusion, right? Like this is the problem with everybody having this conversation about well, um, we should have like one from the Big Ten, one from the Pac twelve, one from the Big Twelve. No, you don't. You simply need two from the Big Ten, two from the from the SEC. Simple as that. Let's not let's not <laughs> let's not joke about it. All right. I don't even care if it's three from the SEC because Bama, LSU, and Georgia will run steamroll over TCU. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But I'm holding out for the Horn Frogs. Let's go. Let's go 12 team playoff. Let's go, baby. What is that? Next year? 2023, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, 12 team. You know, why don't you go ahead and do the uh the reads and I will go ahead and let you know what Yeah. So, this episode of the podcast, an occasional college football podcast, uh is found on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts under Pro Football Radio Podcast on YouTube. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, the little bell uh, for the notifications as well, too. You'll be notified when uh, info is and videos are dropped in your feed. Uh, Apple Podcasts, be sure to hit the five-star uh, review. Uh, you know, it helps us with the algorithm out in Palo Alto, which is also essentially the land where the 49ers play uh, football at uh, Levi Stadium. Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review as well, too. Social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain of the ship on the ones and twos, is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on the DMs, hit us up on Twitter, anywhere you can get the social media at. More than happy to talk college football, pro football, betting, betting trends, anything you want. Help, you know, you want to just BS. And, you know, I know we said it a couple of weeks ago, but we're getting in the winter months. It's getting a little dark early. <clears throat> you want to check in, a little mental health check type of deal. Hit us up on the social media. We are more than happy to chat with any of y'all. But be sure to follow us on all platforms for the latest updates. Absolutely. So it looks like it's uh, a potential in 2024, but a definite by 2026. What's happening is they they are definitely going to that model by 2026. But if they can figure out the media and TV deals before that, then 2024 is the potential option. Because what's happening is it's not just like, you know, a one set of like media rights and deals you got to work through. You got to work through ESPN, Fox, ABC, uh, CBS, all those guys that broadcast these games. And then five different power of five um, media deals as well. You got to somehow come to some sort of conclusion with that. 
Oh, yeah, you know, ESPN's got to get its cut of the pie. Yeah, yeah. ESPN's get, getting a little left out, though. It's funny because I know they're not happy about it, but, like, the... No, but nobody's yeah. happy with the 14... I think, honestly, and I know, like, we just plugged it up to rap, but, like, I think the public... The, granted, this is the public here. I think they're just tired of mm-hmm. seeing the SEC all the time mm-hmm. in the playoff type mm-hmm. of deal. So that's why they want mm-hmm. the expansion. And, you know, Clemson's probably dying for it to get more exposure mm-hmm. to the ACC because they're not the best conference anymore. Like, the ACC is not that great. The Big 12 defense is optional. Like, there's a whole ball of wax. Well, the pro- well, you saw what Fox did, right? Fox saw there was a massive market in that 12 noon slot. Mm-hmm. Fox, Big Moon kickoff. And they've primarily built that around Big 12 and Big 10 games that you see Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU, and Dylan, all these teams on that Big 12 game kickoff squad. Like, they saw that early on. They saw that the SEC was simply playing to the SEC, and they're like, you know what? We should go in there. Dude, they went to Kansas this year. Friggin' bananas. It was a fun time. Rock chalk. Let's go. All right, listen, that goes us for today. We'll talk to you guys next week. Via con Dios.